This is Oklahoma football. All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of the Mainline Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Burton. Proud to be joined by my co-hosts, Adam Jacquez and Corbin Polson on this beautiful Thursday, March 4th here in Norman, Oklahoma. Adam, Corbin, what's going on, guys? How's the week been going? Going well. Ready for a, a big win tonight in OU basketball. Yeah, guys, wrapping up uh, the Pokes and Baylor right now. And, uh, yeah, hopefully get a much-needed win against Longhorns and Norman. Yeah, it looks like uh, for the – uh, time being right now, Baylor's up six. OU Texas coming up here in just a few minutes. Kind of cool that we're going to be recording the podcast as that game gets underway here in Norman, the uh, regular season finale for the Sooners team that uh, uh, desperate need of a win to, to kind of close out the regular season. So, uh, but guys, just uh, we, we got a lot to kind of cover tonight. Uh, some pretty good topics. Obviously, the off season can be a little bit tricky. Not much football news going going on right now. Um, but we've had a couple couple national pieces, a couple national guys put some different things out that has given us some pretty good stuff to talk about. So um, but let's just kind of dive right into it, man. First, before we even touch on o- the OU men's basketball team, whose day was worse, the OU pitching staff or Les Miles? Got to be Les Miles. I mean, he might Miles. be out of a job. <laughs> you think Kansas fires him? They I, have to, they'll right? probably try to find a way, yeah. I'm honestly kind of surprised that he hasn't been fired already. Um, but honestly, the craziest thing about this whole, the whole thing for me is this happened at LSU, what, eight, nine years ago? And we're just now finding out about it almost a decade from him being removed uh, and no longer a part of the LSU program. So it's just it's crazy to think that stuff like that gets swept on or gets swept under the rug. But just look at some of the other things like Penn State and Baylor. So. Uh, but yeah, uh, tough, tough day for the OU baseball team. Um, last I checked, it was 20 to 13 against Arizona um, after having a nine to three lead. So um, hopefully just an off game. Uh, we can kind of get the pitching rotation back underway. But uh, guys, like we said, OU Texas men's basketball coming up here in just a few minutes. Uh, it's kind of been a tough time for for the basketball team. Coach Kruger's team lo- losing uh, the last three games after climbing all the way to number seven in the rankings uh, in the AP Top 25 poll. But obviously having a chance here in just a few minutes. Arch rivals in town have a chance to close out the regular season. Send the seniors. Send the seniors out of the Lloyd Noble Center off on a high note um, and taking down the Longhorns. So, guys, what's just kind of been the uh, the overall feel of this basketball team um, looking back over the last week? Corbin? Yeah, I mean, it's been tough to watch. Um, you know, Adam and I were discussing a little bit ago, I think if the Sooners play the way they did against the Pokes, they beat Kansas State. Um, to me, that's, that's a no-brainer. As much as it – it kind of hits you in the gut as an OU fan to, to get swept by Oklahoma State. I really don't think the team played bad. Um, I didn't walk away from either of those just like that team played awful. They're terrible. They're trending downhill. I don't think Oklahoma State's a good matchup. Um, and then you got, you know, and Norman, Kate Cunningham goes off for 40 points. Um, I like the adjustments that Lon made heading back into Stillwater, kind of get the ball out of Kate's hands. thought those were positives and, you know, live by the, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword. As far as, you know, those other guys for the pokes that um, needed to step up, they did. And, uh, and made, made them pay whenever Cade made the right play when he got doubled or trapped or whatever the situation was. So um, it's a big one tonight, guys, um, just to get some confidence heading into the big 12 tournament. Um, I think the, this, what the ceiling is probably a four or five seed and, and, and the, the floor is a, a seven. Um, so that's a big difference. And, you know, hopefully we can, we can turn the momentum back in the right direction here. 
Yeah, it definitely feels like years past where this team has really peaked in February or January timeframe uh, and then really loses all that momentum going into the Big 12 tournament, uh, getting lower seeding, and then in turn taking that momentum towards March Madness. So it's frustrating. It feels like we've seen this happen before, and uh, hopefully they can they can cap it off with a big win tonight because that's going to just really improve the odds of, I think, any type of postseason success that this team is going to have. You almost have to wonder if this team almost kind of peaked too early. They kind of hit their stride a little bit too early prior to the end of the regular season. But like what Corwin was saying, Oklahoma State was just a bad matchup stylistically. I mean, the, the Kansas State loss, as well as OU's played the last two games, they beat Kansas State by double digits, you know, nine times out of ten. But um, you know, the the game in Norman th- this past Saturday, losing to OSU. I mean, Kate Cunningham, C- Kate Cunningham, he's the best player in America, gets 40 points. There's really nothing you can do about that. He's going to get his. If, he, if he's on, you know, try to stop him, try to limit him. But at the end of the day, he's going to get his no matter what. I did like what Lon did um, in, in coaching adjustments whenever the game moved to Stillwater just a couple days later. Obviously, the, the biggest takeaway that I, that I had from it was you finally get the breakout game from Brady Manick that we were, you know, just waiting and waiting for, for for that to happen, especially, you know, with him dealing with COVID for the last, you know, three, four weeks trying to get over that. Um, but, you know, Brady has 16 in the first half. Cade Cunningham has two points in the first half. And going to the break, Oklahoma State was up one. So that just kind of goes to show um, how big how big it was for the role players for Oklahoma State, how much they stepped up. You know, the the, the boom kid had a career high. Uh, the, the point guard really made it tough on Austin Reeves. Um, on the, especially on the offensive end of the floor, um, really frustrating him. But um, it, it's a big one tonight. We, we talked about it prior to, to hitting the record button. OU started out last week, again, ranked number seven in the country, the two seed in the Big 12, and now they are fighting for fighting for their lives uh, to hang on to the number seven seed, and hopefully they don't end up in a playing game uh, once the Big 12 conference tournaments uh, gets underway here starting next week. So, uh, but but as we go into tonight's game, and we touched, we talked about it a little bit last week um, about the ceiling uh, for this men's basketball team. Do you guys feel any different about how far this team could go after these last three games, or is this maybe just you know a, a blemish on the resume? This is oh, you running into a bad matchup against Oklahoma State uh, these last two games. Like how? How, how far do you think this team can go? Is it still a sweet 16 or, you know, maybe is your confidence a little bit shaken after what we've seen this past week? My confidence is definitely shaken, but I'm trying to listen to Corbin here and just take the, hey, it's maybe not the best matchup against Oklahoma State. And a week ago, we were talking about who's going to step up and help Austin Reeves to take some of that offensive load. And two of the guys we mentioned uh, had incredible games against Oklahoma State. The first matchup in Norman, uh, Davion Harmon had 23 points. And then Brady Manick, uh, as you mentioned, Tyler, uh, had a big game in Stillwater a few days later. And neither was enough. And so after that first game on Saturday, especially seeing what Cade Cunningham could do uh, with the ball in his hands, it just felt like even though he didn't score 44 points the second game, I felt like, okay, I'm still watching the same things. Like he's just going to beat us anyway, because there's a reason he's going to be the number one pick in the NBA draft here in a couple months. So if I can let all of that go and maybe see a really solid performance tonight, uh, if not a win, I think maybe I'll come back on board and say sweet 16 is, is within realm, but it is going to be important to get, you know, some good seating and then get the right matchups and avoid some of those really top teams. I think. 
Well, Corbin, I want to kind of pose this question to you. Obviously, in your time as a manager for the basketball team, you've obviously been around the, the guys at practice. You've seen how Lon coaches the team, what he tries to get at, get out of his guys uh, on a daily basis. But kind of the biggest thing that's been a disappointment for me, the maybe not the entire season, but it's really kind of, you know, the, you know, the cream has risen to the top over these last three games, and it's the lack of presence on the interior. For, for this basketball team, you know, you've got Brady Manick playing, you know, 95% of the game at the five position uh, because you truly don't have a, a center that can go out there, you know, rebound the basketball, you know, score 10 to 12 points down low and, you know, help out against the other, against the opposing team's big man. So I think that's kind of hurt um, OU all season long. They're second, uh, second to last in the Big 12 conference in free throw attempts. So, you know, live by the three, die by the three, not getting much inside. Um, so I, I would really hope as we, you know, play Texas tonight, going into the Big 12 tournament, I want to see some more guys like Devion Harmon, Elijah Harkless attack the basket, get to the free throw line, pick up some of those easy free points that, you know, uh, opponents, we all saw what Kay did, you know, has he had 14 or 15 points uh, in that first game just from the free throw line. So um, when, when you're not shooting well from the outside, the free throw line, that's an incredible equalizer. So got to find a way to, to, to be, have a more, you know, assertive presence uh, inside on both the offensive and defensive ends of the floor. Yeah, guys. And I think, I think rebounding was a big one uh, in, in the matchup with the pokes. We got out rebounded by seven in Stillwater and uh, it was substantial back in Norman here um, out rebounded by 17. You're not going to win many games that way. You take away, you know, half that rebounding edge, you probably win the game, and that's with Kate going off for 44. Speaking of Kate, he was helped off the court just a little bit ago. Um, doesn't look like anything serious, but tweaked ankle maybe. Bad timing for that to happen, regardless if it's serious or not. So breaking news here on the mainline pod. But, yeah, I think it's it's the uh, it, it's the rebounding edge that I think probably I stuck stuck out to me through those, those two games. Um, it wasn't great, and uh, anytime you give a team that many second opportunities – it's uh, not ideal. So hopefully we can get that turned around tonight and we'll see. And Adam, to kind of throw this back to you, you threw, you put this question on the script um, earlier this week, and there's even been some talk about it here locally in Norman on Sports Talk Radio. And it was, it was talking about where this team, like we mentioned, climbing all the way up to number seven ranking last week, where this team kind of falls in the in the in the rankings of Lon Kruger coach teams um, since he's since his tenure began here in Norman. So. Um, Number seven ranking in the AP poll, is that indicative of this being one of Kruger's best teams, or could that be uh, a little misconstrued? So I did some research, just went back and compared this year's team. Obviously, the story's uh, still yet to be completed with where they go in the postseason, but just comparing them to some of the teams in the past, and it's difficult because there's not nearly as many games played this year due to COVID. So I really just looked at the winning percentage, and it was kind of right in tune with what I was thinking. This is the the best team that we've had since Buddy's Final Four team. We've had a few teams that have been, you know, around 58, 56, 61%. But this one right now is at 63% winning percentage. And with a win tonight against Texas, 65 is where that would go. So uh, it, is, it is the best since Buddy's last year. But when Buddy was in town uh, here in Norman, 66, 71, 70, and 79 uh, win percentage for all four years of Buddy Heald. And we have to remember when he was a, a freshman and even a little bit of a sophomore season, he wasn't just this absolute, you know, all-star. He was kind of a budding role player, potential star. And so I think that just shows the depth of those teams, especially in his early years. So 
I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? Yeah, for me, uh, you know, I didn't necessarily look into the records and everything, just kind of the feel of the team and, and what they've done on the court. Um, for me, the top two are pretty easy, and that was the 2016, 20, excuse me, 2016 team. The Final Four team is Lon's best team. That's easy. Um, to me, the 2015 team, um, I was at that that final game in Syracuse. We lost to um, lost to Michigan State, uh, you know, to chance to head into the, the Sweet 16 there. Uh, excuse me, the Elite Eight there. We lost in the Sweet 16. Um, I still think that team is better than this one. So then you start to get into the argument of – You've got this year, you've got the 2017-2018 team with Trey Young, and then um, you've got the 2018-2019 team where you lost to Virginia in the second round. I, I think it's kind of a coin flip because those teams at their best, they're all pretty similar. Um, so I would probably put them at number three. I think I'd give them a slight edge over the Trey Young year and a couple of years ago losing to Virginia in the second round. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd probably have it as Lon's third best team. Yeah. The, the 2016, the final four year, I mean, that's, that's head and shoulders, you know, there's, there's no debate for that. I mean, well, it, it's kind of frustrating thinking about the team that we've got this year, but then also looking to just how good that 2016 team was, you know, guys like Buddy, Isaiah, Jordan Woodard, Spangler, Christian James coming off the bench. Honestly, the biggest difference to, to me between that team and what we're seeing this year, other than the fact that, you know, um, this, that's a Final Four team, but he was a star player, you know, he National Player of the Year for a reason. On that 2016 team, you had five or six guys that you could you could trust that you could go to if you needed a basket. It didn't matter if it was Buddy for a three, Isaiah penetrating, Jordan Woodard spot up in the corner, Spangler down in the block, or even Christian James coming off the bench. But now looking at this year's team, you've got Austin Reeves, you've got Davion Harmon. If he's on, he can get you a bucket, but there's really not a consistent, you know, one to five, one to six. Uh, down the uh, starting lineup and even a couple guys off the bench that you can really count on to get you consistent production. Uh, so 2016 is number one for me. 2015 Buddy's junior year, number two. I personally, I think I would still put Trey Young's team ahead of this year's team. I know that this year's team, they've kind of gelled. You know, the, the camaraderie is good amongst all the guys. They play really good defense, but there still is kind of that lack of scoring that you can count on night in and night out. And we knew that Trey was good for, you know, 25 to 30 a night. I would argue – um, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but I would even make the argument that the Brady Manic on the 2017 team with Trey might be a little bit better from a from a, especially on the offensive end, you know, more consistent shooting the basketball, particularly beyond the three. So right now, I think I would put this 2020 team as good as they have been this year climbing into the top 10. I still think that this is probably Lon's fourth best team shoot in just the last five years alone. So I I kind of look at Buddy's Final Four and Sweet 16 teams as one and two. And then I think there's probably four or five teams that are tied for third, and they're all kind of the same team. They peak here in February, and then they slowly flutter away and lose in the first or second round of the tournament. I did feel like this was probably the closest team and makeup of players that we've had together, similar to what you were saying, Tyler, where I feel like you can count on Reeves, Harmon – needs to be a little more consistent, but he can be a dude. And then I like Emoja Gibson, you know, behind the three-point line quite a bit. Harkless, he's a, a real energy guy that can do a lot defensively and in transition and sometimes driving the lane and hitting a, like a free throw popper. But um, not enough consistency out of those surrounding pieces to make me feel uh, like it's, you know, going to go a whole lot further than second round. Yeah, guys, it's, I mean, it's, it's all, it's all matchups, 
Um, once you get to the tournament time, that's really what it comes down to. That's why upsets happen. That's why teams that have no business in being in games, you know, are there at the end, have a shot to win. So um, regardless of what that comes to tournament play or, you know, when it comes to, you know, the NCAA tournament, it's all about matchups. I did have a question a little bit off script here. Threw you guys a little bit of a curveball. I am curious about this, though. We don't want to be in a play-in game for the Big 12 Conference Tournament, but we do need a win, especially if we lose tonight. So I want to throw this out there to you. Would you rather take a risky 7-10 matchup with decent odds to win, but obviously if you lose, that's a detrimental loss, or go straight into you know matchup play in, in the conference tournament against a Kansas, a Baylor, a West Virginia, an Oklahoma State, I don't think any of us feel good about that matchup right now. So would you rather go one and one and and beat a bad team with the risk of losing to a bad team or just go one and out whenever you show up in Kansas City? Wouldn't a 7-10 matchup winner play the number one seed in Baylor anyway? I don't think so. Because I think the, I think the idea there is that the seven seed is going to win and the eight, nine seed. So they, I think they'd play the two seed. I don't want anything to do with Kansas at the moment or, yeah, or West Virginia again, even though we beat them twice. Well, Kansas is probably one of the hottest teams in America. I, I guess me looking right now, I mean, there, you have no chance winning the Big 12, so kind of throw the records out the book right now. To me, just looking at the way this team has played over the last week, I think this team's kind of running on fumes. Obviously, we'll see what they do um, here in the next couple minutes as, as they, you know, it looks like they've already tipped off here in Norman. But um, given given a chance you win tonight and you avoid that play-in game, that 7-10 matchup, give me that all day long. Give them an extra day or two of rest, an extra day or two of prep. I know it is going to be tough playing, uh, whether it is a Baylor or a Kansas or West Virginia uh, but giving them an, uh, another day or two to rest, save their legs a little bit, be able to focus solely on that matchup alone. Um, I, 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 you know, give give me the first round by uh, t- ten times out of ten. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. Give them some rest, especially with all these games compacted here at the end of the season. I know that one thing that I've been guilty of, um, you know, I do a much better job with football as far as keeping my eye on, you know, all the Power Five conferences, everything from the East Coast to the West Coast. But here in basketball. I don't know if it's just this year alone, but I've kind of done a poor job about paying attention to the national landscape of what's going on, you know, outside of just the Big 12. Obviously, you know, this is probably the best basketball conference in America right now, night in and night out. But when we wanted to talk, touch a little bit on the national landscape of college basketball, I started to kind of pay attention a little bit more this week to teams, you know, outside of the Big 12, what's going on around the country. Um, and just kind of wanted to ask you guys, is there maybe a team or two, you know, outside of the elites that we've seen, like a Baylor or a West Virginia or a Kansas, that's kind of catching your eye as we get closer to tournament time? Yeah, for me, I think Arkansas is one of the ones that stick out really heavily to me. Um, they've won 10 out of their last 11, that one loss being by four points to Oklahoma State. Um, they look really good right now. Probably the team that's playing the best, you know, in the SEC. I know Kentucky is not necessarily what Kentucky normally is. So that conference is wide open for a team like Arkansas who's playing well down the stretch. Um, and then the other one I had was, was honestly Oklahoma State. Uh, you know, up until tonight, they were six uh, wins out of the last seven games. Um, and even tonight, you know, taking Baylor to the wire, getting it down to a four-point game late. Um, I think they're playing well. I'm curious to see if the Cade injury is anything serious or anything he's got to be dealing with. That's that's a big deal anytime you start dealing with ankles, especially in college basketball. Um, but those have been the two. I mean, you look through the rest of the top 25 and everybody's just beating each other up. 
Um, but those are two who have, who have been playing pretty well down the stretch. You said none of the elites as far as, you know, who's catching your eye, but the two that I had written down were both elites. And uh, one of them being Kansas, just in the fact that they went through a pretty rough stretch in the middle of the year and really flew off of my radar, uh, which is amazing for Kansas basketball, not being much of a, a contender in the middle of the year for the Big 12, but they've won six of their last seven. And they really seem to be surging here at the right time of year. And they've got tons of talent. I don't think it's nearly as good as any of the Kansas teams that we've seen maybe in past years. But um, they're still going to have some guys there. So uh, I'm looking at them potentially making a run. I know they beat Baylor when Baylor was still probably a little rusty. But I like I like the way that they're surging. And then the other is just Michigan for me. I, I think it's any time that you know they beat up on Michigan State, they're winning by about 30 points uh, as we speak. Uh, and that's just kind of a little bit shocking, uh, considering, you know, how that rivalry is traditionally gone. So, um, it's so, it's such a weird year for college basketball with so few of the blue bloods actually there at the top of the rankings. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. My eye, of course, it's been on Gonzaga all year. They're 24 and 0 right now. They're not playing the best competition in the world, but still any, you know, any time that a team has a chance to go undefeated to complete the regular season, that's impressive to me just because, you know, it's college basketball. You've got to show up night in and night out or you just have that one bad night and somebody's going to knock you off. But other other teams around the country that have, you know, that, that have been playing extremely well, you know, going out to the Big Ten. I mean, Michigan climbing all the way up to number two. They're playing extremely well. And then they hosted number four Illinois a couple of nights ago and, you know, got beat by 20. Um, so Illinois is a team that's playing extremely well, you know, right now, you know, we, we are, we're all accustomed to Brad Underwood during his year or two, um, here at Oklahoma state, they're actually going to be traveling to number seven, Ohio state this weekend. So number four versus number, number seven in the big 10, um, that's definitely going to be one to kind of keep an eye on before Duke, North Carolina. Um, how crazy is it that we're at the end of the regular season and we've got Duke, North Carolina and both matchups between the Tar Heels and the Blue Devils, neither one of them are going to be ranked either time they play. So uh, pretty, pretty crazy to think about. But, yeah, uh, Michigan's playing well. Illinois uh, doing fantastic right now. Ohio State, we'll see what they can do when the Fighting Illini uh, come to Columbus here on, on Saturday afternoon. But uh, uh, still still Gonzaga, uh, number one for me. We'll see what happens once uh, the competition gets ramped up. But, uh, guys, I think that's a perfect way to transition into our next segment here, um, kind of like what we were talking about. When it's the off season in college football, it can sometimes be hard to kind of find some content, some different things to take about or to talk about, especially when spring football has not gotten underway yet. So, um, Adam, you found this uh, – I think it was you, Adam. You found this a little bit earlier this week. Uh, a guy tweeted this out, um, and it's the college basketball odds – uh, or excuse me, college football odds from the Westgate in Las Vegas, uh, the 2022 college football national championship odds. And as of right now, it looks like OU is the uh, is eight to one, uh, the the fifth best odds to win the national championship in 2021. Um, so guys, just kind of looking looking at the uh, all these different teams right here. What kind of caught your eye, um, and what's something that kind of jumped off the page to you, Adam? Yeah, for me, I. I... I'm amazed at how high Iowa State is on this list. Um, they're just two spots behind OU, so seventh best odds at 40 to one, uh, which I think speaks volumes. I know we we kind of gush on Iowa State and what Matt Campbell's done up there, uh, you know, in Ames, pretty regularly on this podcast. But I think it's just amazing to me because of how traditional uh, of a doormat program Iowa State is. Um, but also, just the same familiar names uh, here at the top, which kind of makes sense for, for a betting pool, I guess. Uh, 
Um, but but yeah, I think I like o- OU's odds there, eight to one. I think I would say that's as good a bet as any on the board. Yeah, guys. I mean, same song, different verse. Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma. Same thing every single year. Yep. So uh, you know, I don't know what needs to change for there to be a little more parity in, in college football, but I don't think it's going to happen this year. Well, I mean, you're you're going to have the same five or six teams favored to win the national championship every single year. When you know, you just just look at the recruiting rankings. I mean, there's a reason why Alabama's picked to win it every year. Uh, Nick Saban's had he's had the number one recruiting class ten out of the last twelve years. So uh, you know, the rich only get richer, and no matter what, no matter how many players he loses to graduation in the NFL. He's got the best players, you know, coming out of high school um, up to Tuscaloosa every single year. Um, like I said, I, I think OU is a good value, eight to one. Um, that, that's pretty good odds. Uh, put a hundred on it, win eight hundred. Uh, a couple things that kind of stood out to me. A um, couple things that I would love to get your guys' thoughts on. Florida at sixty to one. With all that that with all that Dan Mullen lost off that team, Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts, three other receivers. They've had a few transfer outs. Uh, and then a couple other key defensive guys, you know, head to the NFL draft. I think that 60 to one might be a little high, you know, considering the fact that what they've got the seventh or eighth best odds to win the national championship this year. LSU being all the way up right now at 40 to one with the sixth best odds. We talked about this a little bit before we hit the record button. I don't know. I don't know what Vegas is thinking on this. You know, it's very rare that Vegas is wrong, but to me, guys, LSU seems way too high. Uh, coming off of a bad year and uh, especially losing some guys to the NFL draft also. Well, I think if you probably look at LSU's recruiting rankings, I'm sure they're one of the blue chip schools that just has tons of guys. And maybe it didn't all pan out in kind of a weird year last year, having to replace so many different starters from that national championship team in 2019 and a lot of the coaching staff too. So I'm sure having some continuity going into 2021 and, some guys that, uh, you know, really just getting their first experience last year and now are going to be more established guys. I think that's going to, you know, push them into uh, another level. But again, LSU is probably a step above someone like an Auburn, but I do think there is quite a bit of inconsistency from LSU in previous history. And and it's going to be tough to make it out of their own division. Well, LSU has a favorable schedule. I mean, non-conference play, their toughest game is opening the season up at UCLA. I don't know how much you know we can expect out of the Bruins this year, but uh, obviously at Alabama, um, I'm not sure how many people are going to pick them to win that. Alabama is breaking in a new quarterback with Bryce Young, but um, and then of course you know they do have you know favorable uh, home schedule with teams like Arkansas, A&M, and Florida all coming to Baton Rouge to play in Death Valley, so that's good for Coach O's staff, but. Um, you know, a, another team that looking at this, you know, w- w- one of the things that we talked about was finding a team, you know, maybe outside the top eight or so um, that could be a good value pick if you did want to put some money on. And for me, um, I'm going out to Chapel Hill, North Carolina, um, the, the Tar Heels, Mac Brown um, having another year in, in that system, another year worth of his recruits, Sam Howell's coming back for his third year at the quarterback position. I know that they did lose their two best running backs. Um, but like we said, Mac has recruited extremely well. I'd like the 60 to one, especially given the fact they avoid Clemson in the regular season. Yes, they do have two extremely tough out of conference games right out of the gate, UCF and Gus Malzon, and then on the road to play Auburn uh, in the non-conference. But um, lo- looking at the ACC schedule for them, I mean, at Miami is probably your toughest game. Um, well, what that's going to look like, it is a favorable schedule getting Virginia Tech at home. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I like North Carolina at 60 to one and guys, is there really anything, you know, maybe the hundred to one or, you know, maybe kind of a, an outside shot looking in, 
as far as a team that you'd maybe throw some money down to maybe not necessarily win the college football playoff, but this could be a team where, you know, we get to the last week in November. This is a team that, you know, started the year 100 to 1 odds, 250 to 1, um, that's, you know, competing for a chance to, to make the Final Four. Yeah, for me, the only one on the list was UNC. So I'm with you, Tyler. Um, not only, you know, you mentioned Sam coming back, I think he's what, top two or three quarterbacks returning from last season. Um, also take into account the recruiting rankings over the past couple of years. 2019, they're ranked 12th. Last year, they're ranked 15th. So they've got better talent coming in. A couple of years before that, they were in the 20s and 30 ranges. So Mac is making a difference there on the recruiting front. Now's about the time you start to see those freshmen and sophomores, um, you know, get a year under their belt in the system and, and come in and compete for, um, you know, at a higher talent level than maybe what North Carolina had in the past. But I mean, outside of that, there was absolutely nobody I'd, I'd be willing to bet any money on. <laughs> well, it's interesting that you guys completely overlook USC with the same odds as uh, North Carolina at 60 to 1 in a much more, I would say, wide open Pac-12. USC had the number three class in 2018. Those guys are all either seniors or probably redshirt sophomores with how, you know, everyone saved a year of eligibility with COVID. But I mean, that's a that's a program there that has everything that they need to be successful, except for maybe coaching right now. So, I mean, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that USC can can jump on the scene this year. I like their quarterback. I think Keaton Slovis is a good player, obviously, at a place like USC. He's going to have playmakers around him. But again, I don't trust Clay Helton to be able to lead them to maybe an undefeated or a one-loss season in the Pac-12. I know that it's they're a little bit down this year, especially now that Oregon's lost their starting quarterback to the transfer portal. Uh, but, yeah, U- UFC uh, could have some good value in it. What do you guys think about Texas at 100-1? to Is it worth placing $10 on that? Is that worth taking a flyer, at least for maybe them to get to the college football playoff? You guys I'm surprised play? they're so low and the fact that they haven't jumped much since January 1st. The Sark effect, dude. Yeah, I has would, taken uh, I'd probably pick Texas over over USC. I mean, they're in a very similar boat to like talented, talented programs that just can't seem to do it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to putting money on Texas, but you know, neither of those programs have have gotten over that hump, and so it's kind of hard for me to think that this year is going to be any different. I think the main reason why I wouldn't put Texas over USC is just simply because of the fact that I don't know how much true competition USC is going to have to win the Pac-12. Obviously, this is going to be a this is going to be you know we've all talked about it. This could be the best OU team that we've had in the last decade. Iowa State's returning, you know, ninety-seven percent of their production. Brock Purdy, Brees Hall, and Charlie Kolar are you know the three-headed monster up in Ames. So um, Texas, they do have B. John Robinson, who's going to play quarterback. I don't know. They've had a fantastic coaching staff, you know, uh, that, that Sark has put together. Recruiting's obviously showing right now. Um, but yeah, Texas at 100 to 1. I don't know. Might be worth putting, you know, 10, 15 bucks on it at 100 to 1. OSU, just two spots behind that at 200 to 1. I don't know what Vegas is thinking. Losing Chuba Hubbard, losing Tylen Wallace, what Spencer Sanders is going to do. I, I, I don't really know what to expect out of Stillwater this year, but, uh, Having the pokes at the you know the twenty first best odds to win the national championship, that might be a little high in my opinion. Well, I mean, look at who they're around: Indiana, Utah, Cincinnati, West Virginia. I mean, those teams are basically all in the same boat. So I'd have all three of those teams ranked ahead of Oklahoma State, Indiana, Utah, and Cincinnati, in my opinion. Maybe just in terms of maybe not essential, maybe not them being as talented or as good of a team, but thinking about 
the road that those other three teams will will have to get to that position uh, of being in the college football playoff. I mean, Indiana, you got to beat Ohio State, maybe run the table in the pack in the in the in the Big Big Ten. Excuse me. I think that that you know could be possible. Utah, they've kind of cleaned house in the transfer portal this off season. Um, and then Cincinnati, you know, they've got a, you know, their their core group coming back another year under Luke Fickle, who's to say that they can't, you know, have another Cinderella type year and find their way into maybe that top six, top eight going into the last couple weeks of the season. So, guys, anything else before we transition over here looking at this list? Um, so I find it interesting. Neither of you guys are, are much of a risk taker because uh, I immediately want to go down to, you know, some of these extreme odds. Uh, shout out Liberty for making the the first page of odds here at five thousand to one, um, but I, I'm I'm looking through these you know really long shots and one that kind of stands out to me is Michigan State at a thousand to one. Their 2018 recruiting class was ranked number 26, not super impressive, but also not nearly as bad as some of those odds uh, with other teams that they're surrounded by like Georgia Tech, Houston, Washington State, Texas Tech, and so forth. So I think that they have uh, some abilities. You know, I think they showed some decent things last year in Mel Tucker's first uh, season in Lansing. So I think that they could could surprise and be a little bit better, especially if Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan are having somewhat of reloading or rebuilding type of years. It's, I mean, certainly a long shot, but um, I, I'd say that would be worth putting a little bit of money on just seeing what happens. To me, guys, there's no reason to look – at anybody in the Big 12 outside of Oklahoma, anybody in the Big 10 outside of Ohio State, and anybody out of the SEC out of Alabama. So you might as well take those three conferences off the board. And so then you're uh, that's <laughs> where we're going to have a little bit of an argument as we get closer to the season. I, I like Georgia this year over Alabama. I call me call me crazy. I know that you know don't don't count on it until you see it happen. You know Kirby Smart getting over the getting over the hump, but uh, I, I like Georgia this year. You know just. But if you're if you're putting money on it, and it sounds like Corbin's being very much like safe investment, like high return on investment there. Yeah, it makes total sense what he's saying. Clemson, OU, Bama, Ohio State, you're going to make some money uh, on, you know, probably one of those four teams. So you got you guys both feel confident right now um, that, that, that you think it's going to be Alabama again coming out of the SEC, even though Georgia, they've got, you know, a ton of talent coming back. Um, that, that especially the running back room, the offensive line is going to be stacked. Um, but again, you know, the, the Alabama's the champs for a reason. So, uh, I totally get the argument behind that, but, uh, wa- watch out for Georgia this year. That's kind of my, that's kind of my, I don't know if dark horse is the right word, but don't be surprised. Uh, if you see Oklahoma and Georgia playing for the national championship, so. Alabama and Georgia play in the regular season. They do not. See they that, that not. to me, that gives a lean to, to Bama. You give a, a younger team an entire year to build up into the SEC championship game. That kind of takes away that that youthfulness that we know Alabama is going to have. Um, yeah, I, if they played early on like they did last year, and, and I think Georgia probably would would win that game early. But if we're talking about late in the season, we're talking about Nick Saban. Yeah, I can't bet against that. I've learned not to trust Georgia and Kirby Smart over the last couple of years. Yeah, I understand that. But I think the reason why I have a little bit more confidence in Georgia going into this year compared to years past is just looking at the schedule. Obviously, week one against Clemson and Charlotte, okay. 
I'm probably going to be rooting for Georgia to just go ahead and knock Clemson off that pedestal, give them one loss so that maybe they get one more loss throughout the regular season. That kind of knocks them out. But, you know, going past week one versus Clemson, UAB, South Carolina, at Vanderbilt, Arkansas, at Auburn, Kentucky, Florida, Missouri, at Tennessee, Charleston Southern, shout out Charleston Southern, uh, at Georgia Tech. I mean, do we want to just go ahead and pencil in Georgia uh, representing the East in Atlanta? Well, let me ask you, is JT Daniels for sure better than any of the quarterbacks that they've had over the last two, three, four years? I think he is. I I think he has a better arm and he is just as athletic as Jake Fromm. I think he's a, I think he's a better proven passer than Jake Fromm is. And I mean, he's no Justin Fields, you know, how they let him get away. I don't know. But uh, I, I think that this will be Kirby's best quarterback play that, that he's had since he's gotten to Athens, which I mean, you've got what Jake Fromm and Stetson Bennett as the other two to compare it to. I, I feel like JT Daniels has everything there to be better than Jake Fromm, but I have such a small sample size right now that I can't say for sure, which gives me pause because we saw – I believe it was Jake Fromm that lost to South Carolina at home in 2019. So I don't know, even if they have an easy schedule, I'm not going to believe in Georgia until I see them actually doing it, especially beating Bama. And to beat Bama, you have to have an elite quarterback and that's not something Kirby's known for. So um, regardless of the potential of those quarterbacks, yeah, I'm with Adam. There's no faith there. I was looking over Bama's schedule and it seems Harder on paper, you got um, starting off the year versus Miami. I think the defense probably wins that game. Where's that uh, game at? It's in Atlanta. Uh, and uh, then you go at Florida a couple weeks later. You host Ole Miss, who I think is probably going to be pretty decent next year. You go at a On paper, a lot of that seems difficult, but like Florida lost a ton of talent. a lost their quarterback. So the, the odds even up, and it doesn't look as difficult. It's probably my first impression. They have LSU at home. They've got Arkansas at home at Auburn. Um, if you want to make the argument that, that Georgia and Bama are both going to get into the playoff, I would, I would take that argument over Georgia beating Alabama in the SEC championship. I guess I would say that it's a safer bet, maybe not picking Georgia to win the national championship, but it's a safer bet to – throw money on the fact that you can just go ahead and probably pencil in Georgia and Alabama meeting up in Atlanta for the SEC championship. Um, speaking of A&M, you know, I don't know who's going to be throwing the ball at the quarterback position for the Aggies this year, but what do you guys think of Chris Sims's take earlier, this, earlier today? I don't know if you saw it on Twitter, but he had he said that Kellen Mond was a better pure passer than Trevor Lawrence. So I don't know how much he's getting paid or who's – paying him to give those certain takes. Obviously, there's a lot of that going on in the media right now. But, I mean, my God, how, how could you possibly type out and hit the send button to, to tweet out something like that? It's just just mind-blowing to me. He also had Zach Wilson as the, his number one-ranked quarterback above Trevor Lawrence. So, I don't think you can put much weight into anything Chris Sims has at the moment. Well, yeah, I'm not going to waste breath on something that he clearly wanted us to have discussions about. Well, there's a, there's a lot of people uh, with, with Fox that, that are doing something like that. So one that uh, we're, uh, OU fans are pretty familiar with uh, if they have YouTube and are familiar with OU football. So, uh, Adam, kind of f- finish it out here. You, you came up with this topic, kind of a fun one that we wanted to do. We're you know, taking a break from the Mount Rushmore segment. But what would you kind of come up with for us to do 
uh, right here in this last fun topic? Yeah, so basically I want to assign every Big 12 football team and maybe a few wild cards if we if we have some, but every Big 12 team, a fast food restaurant equivalent. And uh, and I can I can lead us off here with my first one uh, to just to kick us off. I've got West Virginia on my list here, and I sometimes forget that West Virginia is in the Big 12 because they are so far away from everybody else. And so uh, for me, that fast food restaurant is Carl's Jr. and Hardee's. Uh, sometimes I just totally forget that they exist, but every once in a while, they do something a little wild that catches your eye. So I've got Carl's Jr. Hardee's uh, as, as West Virginia. Yeah, so my, uh, my first one is, is Oklahoma State. Um, and maybe not your traditional fast food stop. Um, I'm going to go Wingstop here. Listen, nothing wrong with Wingstop. Good food. I order it occasionally. If you look in the grand scheme of the Wings Society, Wingstop's kind of the little brother in comparison to Buffalo Wild Wings. And so in the state of Oklahoma, Wingstop, little brother, Oklahoma State, little brother. That's the way I'm going uh, with my first pick there against uh, against the Pokes. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say, after listening to both of your two guys, I way overthought this <laughs> in, in trying to come up with the uh, the comparisons who kind of matches up with what program. Baylor's the first one for me. When I think of Baylor, I, I mean – I immediately think of our Bryles and scandals. So for me, I'm going with Burger King on this one. Like, like I said, Burger King kind of, kind of relevant over the past few years. Obviously they had the Whopper. So that was kind of their star moment. Obviously had the, you know, the big art Bryles run uh, two or three, you know, uh, five, six, seven years ago with Robert Griffin uh, being the quarterback of that team. But when I think of, when I think of Baylor, I think of scandals. And there's probably no fast food restaurant that's had a bigger scandal in the last decade than Burger King when they were serving horse meat in their patties, in their burgers. So that was kind of a huge scandal that was all over the news, uh, cost them millions and millions of dollars. But yeah, when I think of scandal, I think of Burger King. And of course, you think of the Baylor Bears down in Waco. So again, that's terrible. I apologize. Um, Adam, what do you got next? I think you're right online there. I think that was a good one. Uh, for me, uh, next, I've got Iowa State. And for them, I've got Dunkin' Donuts. They are really solid. They might not be the number one place you think of when you're thinking donuts. I think Krispy Kreme. So within their state, most people are thinking the Hawkeyes. But uh, you can definitely get a great donut, some, some good drinks and everything at Dunkin' Donuts as well. Uh, and nobody really hates on Dunkin' Donuts. Everyone kind of likes them a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so my second one is uh, is Kansas. Um, and my correlation there is Long John Silvers. Um, I don't think anybody goes to Long John Silvers anymore, which is a direct replica of nobody goes to Kansas football anymore. So that was a pretty easy one for me. I just try to think of the fast food place that I didn't think still existed but actually does, and I went that direction. Second for me is is Oklahoma. This one was easy. I went with Chick-fil-A on this. That's the elite of the elite when it comes to fast food. Great quality, great service. It's fast. Um, OU's been the, uh, the, the the premier team in this conference ever since it was formed. You know, the six straight Big 12 championships. 
Um, you can count them on two hands how many they have overall. So OU's the elite of the elite in this conference. To me, Chick-fil-A, it doesn't get any better when it comes to fast food. So uh, OU, Chick-fil-A, easy choice. I think that's spot on. And so that leads into TCU, who I pegged as Jersey Mike's. And I don't know if it's just me, but I kind of feel like Jersey Mike's probably about 10 years ago wasn't nearly as big as they are now. And so that kind of parallels how TCU joined the Big 12 Conference and has become a bigger name within Power 5. But also, uh, I think they've fallen off a little bit, too. Ever since Jersey Mike's got rid of the chicken parm, they've gone down a few pegs uh, for me lately. And you're always going to pay a lot more at Jersey Mike's than you would at uh, somewhere else. So that's the cost of going to a private school. Having applied to TCU, toured the campus, met with the admissions office, the tuition at TCU, oh my God, it is it is expensive. So you could uh, you could probably buy yourself a really nice house uh, with the four years tuition uh, that, that it takes to go to TCU down in Fort Worth. So um, uh, Corbin, since I've got two uh, two left and you've only got one, let me let me go here real quick. Um, so for me, Texas Tech, this one was kind of hard. Um, I went with Sonic for Texas Tech. Sonic has a it's it's not great. It's not the best quality food, but it has a little bit of everything. So kind of like Texas Tech, you know, they've got a somewhat decent football program. Their baseball program is really really talented. Obviously with Chris Beard at Texas Tech, the basketball team is doing really well. So as an athletic department, they've got some pretty good things going as a whole. And then they have that one big thing. Sonic's got that one big thing. It's the two to four. It's the happy hour drinks. We all love it. Texas Tech, if they've got one great thing that they can hang their hat on, it's having Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback, as an alum. There's nothing better for, for them. So give me Sonic for the Red Raiders out Lubbock. You nailed it. And they're a little bit weird, too, Sonic in general. I, I got no problem with Sonic. I got no problem with Sonic. Well, I mean, weird as in, like, it's a drive-in versus, like, any other That's type true. of and, and I almost yeah. thought about going down the Mexican food route just because they throw the tortillas, you know, at, at football games. But I've, I've got a Mexican food place saved for, for this last one here. Uh, this is my favorite one. I'm going to try to not laugh. I think this is really funny. But I've got Texas as my last team. Um, not really, not really a fast food spot. But the first thing I thought of was Starbucks. And it's going to be confusing for a lot of people. But to me, the best time about Starbucks is, is the seasonal drinks where everything's happy and it's all around the holidays. You're getting the cute cups. You've got the pumpkin spice latte, the peppermint mochas, my favorite, the salted caramel mocha. Absolutely. And then all the drinks go away and real life gets back to normal. And that's right now where we're at with Texas football is we are in the seasonal drink season of Texas football, where everything's glorious, special things are happening. Everybody's so excited about Texas football and then come August and September, things get back to normal. The seasonal drinks go away, and Starbucks just is what it is once again. And that is the perfect way I can describe Texas football, at least over the past 10, 15 years. I love well it. done. Well done. I'm pretty uh, proud of that. I like That's it. the winner. <laughs> well, Kansas State, this is the one that I thought was the funniest and the best, in my opinion. Um, so back me up on this. If not, please let me know. For Kansas State, I went with Taco Bell. Uh, Kansas State isn't a great team, but they're one of the most physical teams in the Big 12. And after every trip to Manhattan, there's always some wear and tear on your team because they do such a good job at the line of scrimmage. So I chose Taco Bell exactly for that reason. Much like after playing a game against the Wildcats, 
you know, you're sore, your body's aching. The same goes for that when it when it comes to after eating Taco Bell. It's good in the moment, but afterwards you feel like shit, your body regrets it, and you're paying for it a couple days after the fact. So much like playing football against the Wildcats, very similar to that 2, 3 a.m. Taco Bell run that we're all so accustomed to. I don't know what you were so worried about, Tyler. You nailed all of these. Okay. <laughs> I would well, take, the, for what it's worth, I'd take the Taco Bell feeling over the uh, pizza shuttle feeling, just for the record. <laughs> don't, don't be bringing that up again. But um, I've, I've got a wild card here. Um, I just saw, and I thought I'd throw this one out here for you. Um, I've got Mrs. Fields cookies as every Mac school, because you never think to go to Mrs. Fields. You just happen to be walking by. Just like you, you're flipping through your channels on a Tuesday night, and you happen to find a Maction game. Well, you're going through them all, and you're like, eh, I could use a cookie. So Mrs. Fields is every Mac school for me. I don't think I've ever been to a Mrs. Fields cookie. Is that a – that's not an Oklahoma or a Texas thing, is it? Well, in, in Oklahoma, I think it's like Great American Cookies. It's like the little okay. shop at okay. the mall. Yeah, yeah. I had a couple. Uh, I had Chick-fil-A. I had it for Clemson. Um, you can't not tie Chick-fil-A and what they believe in to Dabo Sweeney. Like it's just too good of a match. Um, so that was an easy one for me. And Even then I Dabo's had... full of shit. <laughs> well, you know, on the outside appearance anyway. That's true. Uh, and then I had LSU as Popeyes. Um, got a little zing to it down there with Coach O, a different way of life. Um, and so, yeah, that's, uh, that was the last correlation I, uh, I made was, was Popeyes and LSU, you know, both Cajun things. I did not have any honorable mentions after typing out the response to the Taco Bell and the K-State. I thought that's good enough. I'm going to close it out on that. Not going to dip my toe in anything else. So, uh, but, but yeah, so uh, that we've uh, got, got some good ones there. Um, I, I think social media will have some fun with that. So I, I like the Mac correlation between the, between the cookie plays. That's a pretty good comparison. So, uh, well, guys, it's uh, OU Texas. Uh, don't have a score on there right now. Couldn't tell you what score has been looking at this. Um, but, uh, yeah, hopefully we can, uh, close out the game strong. Looks like we're down by seven with five minutes left. Um, closer than the one I thought it would be. I was not expecting too much, um, but, uh, at of OU tonight, but we'll see if they can turn around here in the second half. So guys, anything else before we get out of here? Yeah. So just, I told, I talked about this earlier, rebounding Texas 16 OU seven. It's a problem. It's a big problem. That's all I got. And Texas just got another rebound. So, and it looks like OU had two guys uh, around one Texas player, and the Texas player came out with it. So, uh, hopefully, we can uh, get that turned around come come tournament time. So, all about matchups. But Adam, anything else too before we get out of here? OU baseball. Man, it's been an up and down start so far, but uh, I'm still I'm still being patient at this point. Well, if there's one thing that we can be super proud of right now, it's the. The OU softball team, Patty Gasso, is kicking ass, and they are taking no prisoners whatsoever. Um, number one ranked team in the country right now. So it's going to be fun watching them as they get into Big 12 tournament play. There's some really good softball being played uh, up in Stillwater and down in Austin. So it's going to be fun to watch Patty's squad uh, kind of navigate the Big 12 schedule, hopefully leading to what's going to be another Women's College World Series appearance. So, But, guys, appreciate it as always. We've got Pro Day next week. 
uh, for, for the OU football team. Spring football is going to be getting underway here towards the end of the month. And, of course, we've got the OU spring game that's hopefully going to be played the last week of April. So uh, should be some, a few more things for us to kind of dive into football-related. We've got some good stuff coming down the pipeline. But, again, appreciate you guys for listening. You can follow, find us uh, on all the major platforms, Apple, Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, at the Mainline Pod one Go listen to the podcast, download it, like, subscribe, give us a five-star review. We appreciate all you guys for listening, as always. Uh, and again, for Adam Jock West, Colvin Polson, this is Tyler Burton signing off from another episode of the Mainline Podcast.